chapter 1 in your Bible, John chapter 1, we're looking at the birth of Christ, but really before the birth of Christ. Kind of got an echo, David, if you could turn me down a little bit. Looking at before the birth of Christ. In other words, John chapter 1 doesn't talk about the nativity, doesn't talk about the, the uh, Mary and Joseph, none of that, shepherds, wise men, any of that. It goes way back before time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. By the way, the darkness still doesn't comprehend the light. It still does not comprehend the light. It's like, why are, why are people still lost and in their sin? Because the light darkness doesn't comprehend the light. And you keep reading in the book of John, you'll find that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That's right. And so we looked at the Son of God in eternity past. Uh, the Word uh, was, that meant to be, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That, that Word, we learned in verse number 14, was made flesh. That's what we're going to look at today. But we just, we covered those things and I wanted you to see that the Word, it's so important that we know that the Word being Jesus became, God became a man, but yet he continued to be God. He didn't, he didn't lose his godhood when he became Jesus. He was God in the flesh. He said, I fully don't understand that. Well, welcome to the crowd. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's what we believe. By faith, we believe these things. And the word of God is clear on that. Jesus called himself, I mean, he claimed to be God. He did things only God could do. He said things only God could say. And he's being worshipped today on the throne in heaven. And we know there's no idolatry or blasphemy going on in heaven that they're worshipping Jesus Christ who is and was, it was and is God. Um, what was it this week? I read something about that. I just Something that had to do with the watchtower. But anyway... So we looked at that, and then we looked at the fact that the Son of God at creation, that all things were made by Him. That that little baby Jesus, though He was a man, when He was born, He had created. In the beginning, He was the one that created. And he, he, by Him all things consist. Even as a, as a baby, he's, he, he's, as God, He's still holding things together during His life. You know, rarely did He manifest His glory. Actually, we only know about him doing it one time when he manifested his glory in Matthew chapter 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. Because John there says in verse 14, and we beheld his glory. John was there when he was transfigured. In other words, he, he was glorified right before them. And that's the kind of body we're going to have in heaven. Do you realize that in, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. There was Old Testament saints Moses and Elijah were there. There were glorified Jesus was there. And there were New Testament saints. So in the millennium, there's going to be Old Testament saints. There's going to be glorified people in our body. We're going to be glorified in our glorified body. And then there's going to be saints that live through the tribulation. Those that live through the tribulation. At the beginning of the, at the, beginning of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, everybody on the earth is going to be saved. Those that made it through, the tribulation. It didn't get killed by Antichrist. They're alive. The Jews that received Christ when he came, all 
will be saved. All Israel will be saved. Every single Jew will receive Jesus Christ. Those that are left after, at the end of the tribulation. And then uh, we'll be there coming back from heaven with the Lord. Amen. So everybody on the earth, everybody on the earth for a while is going to be saved. Now, there'll be children born to those people that live through the tribulation. And they'll have to trust Christ. They'll, I think they'll have a hundred years to trust Christ. And after that, I think their doom is sealed according to verse in uh, Isaiah. But how I got on that, I don't know. But anyway, by him all things consist. Then we're going to look at, this is number three on your outline, the word of God with flesh. Let's begin in verse number 10, John chapter 1. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. Wait a minute. Wasn't John the Baptist six months older than Jesus? Remember, yep. yeah, she was. Remember, she. He was born six. He was cousin, but here he says he was before me. What's he talking about? He knew who Jesus was, that he came from God, that he was before. He knew who he was. That he leaped in the womb. Yeah, don't try to explain that one either. But it's happened. Okay, we just read it. These things happen. And of his fullness, here, get this. And of his fullness have we received, have all we received, and grace from grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. So the Word of God with flesh. Let's look at that for a few minutes. The one who had no beginning became flesh. He was eternal, yet He took upon flesh. The one who had created all that is came into the world as an ordinary baby. And he, first of all, he was the rejected one. It says he came unto his own. It's incredible that only a few shepherds came to welcome the king. And I think it's interesting that it was shepherds because Jesus is called the good shepherd. Amen. And Jesus is a shepherd. He's the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. And um, maybe everyone was expecting a fanfare or, a, you know, the arrival of the the, the, a king or something and, and this entourage. They weren't expecting a baby to be born to two poor people, a carpenter and his wife. They weren't expecting all of that. It says he came to his own in verse number 11. Well, his own refers to his own kindred or his own people, his own nation, Israel. He came into his own, but they said no. You know, Israel had been chosen by God to reflect the true God to this world. But yet here, the Messiah came and they refused him. You know, one thing that, that a, a five-point Calvinist will tell you, that if God's Spirit's dealing with you, you cannot reject the Spirit of God. You will be saved. If God's Spirit's dealing with you, you don't have a choice. You'll be saved. Well, here, the elect, the elect being Israel, refused Jesus. And then, and then there's other places in the Bible where it says, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. So they were wrong on that. It's just a made-up doctrine. Uh, 
But his people, his own, said no, just like a lot of people today are saying no. In this world today, people may have a nativity scene in their house. They may go shopping. They may sing Christmas carols. But are they rejecting or receiving the Lord mostly? Most people are what? Have rejected the Lord. Most people still today have rejected the Lord 22,000 plus years later. Then he was the received one, verse 12, praise God. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I'm so thankful that God had a plan. Amen. That when his own rejected him, that he didn't turn around and go back to heaven. Yeah. You know, he had a plan and we're part of the plan. Amen. You, as many as received him. He, he had a plan. God's always got a plan. And so here he is as the received one. And it says that even to them that believe on his name. What name are they talking about there? Yeah, but what's the name? Okay. <laughs> Matthew one twenty one. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. So to them that believe on his name, when you believe on Jesus, you're believing on his saving power who he is, and praise God, to many has received him. So when we're saved, we repent of our sin, and we receive a person. That's what we do when we're saved. We receive a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Then we see verse 14, and I call that the real one. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Wow. The word was made flesh. This is what we call the incarnation, God becoming a man. The miracle of the sinless birth and the supernatural birth. And you know, we call it the virgin birth. And it was the virgin birth, but it was, it, the birth, I think the birth itself was probably like any other birth. It was the miraculous conception. And I always try to visit this on, on this time of year because it's such an awesome thing. How did that happen? Well, it says the, the, the miracle, the, okay, it says he dwelt among us. Now, let me, let me share something with you. And this is, you can get this online. It's called The Chemistry of the Blood by Martin DeHaan, MD. Dr. DeHaan was a medical doctor, but he also had a ministry and radio Bible class for many, many years. And how many get the daily bread or have got the daily bread through the years? That's radio Bible class. If you look somewhere in that radio, Daily Bread, you'll see a, the DeHaan name. And it's probably his grandson that's running the ministry now. But it was Richard after Martin. But anyway, Dr. DeHaan started that. But Dr. DeHaan was a medical doctor, and he wrote a book called The Chemistry of the Blood. And I've got the book on my shelf, but I've also you can, you can access it online as a PDF. And I did. I printed Chapter 4, which um, he talks about this fact about uh, the blood of Jesus. The life uh, is in the blood. The Bible plainly teaches, this is I'm quoting, that Jesus was conceived in the womb of a virgin Jewish mother by supernatural insemination of the Holy Ghost, holy and apart from any generation by a human father. Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Okay, a virgin. You know, some translations translate that young woman. Well, they do because they say, well, the word virgin there really means young woman. But if you read the New Testament, the New Testament translates its virgin. You, you, in Bible translation, you compare Scripture with Scripture. And they, they should have translated. That was an attack on the deity of Jesus Christ. 
because a young woman may be a virgin, but just because she's a young woman doesn't mean she's a virgin. Right? So this woman was a young woman, but she was a virgin. Okay? Now, without any generation by a human father, the Bible teaches in addition that Jesus was a sinless man. You ever wonder why Jesus had to be a sinless man? He was what? Right. Wherefore, as by one man, Romans 5.12 says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed, P-A-S-S-E-D, upon all men. Every one of us today, I got bad news, we're sinners. Right? I mean, really. You know, you have a baby, and you look at that baby, and that baby looks precious. You say, I think he's perfect. And you're like, he's going to manifest his sin nature really soon. It's just a matter of time. They're sinners. They're born sinners. Why? Because their dad was born a sinner. And their dad passed his sin nature down through the seed of the man. Genesis chapter 3 said that the seed of the woman would crush Satan. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're talking about seed of the woman. I don't get that. The seed comes from the man. So how 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 was Jesus sinless? He didn't have Adam's blood flowing in him. How? How could God do that? How could God remain holy and Jesus remain holy yet be born of a virgin? You know, he had to be born of a virgin. Well, this... Does that mean that Mary had to be perfect for Jesus? No. Mary was a sinner. Matter of fact, she called Jesus my Savior. She needed Jesus as her Savior. And she wasn't a perpetual virgin either. Like the Roman Catholic Church teaches a perpetual virgin means that she was a virgin forever. No, she wasn't. She had other children after Jesus through normal conception. Yeah. Good morning, Pastor. Hi, good morning. <laughs> I saw that hand. Are you praising Jesus? Or are you? Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, you said it was a normal birth. It had to have been because they went to the temple with two turtle doves. That's right. That's right. That was exactly what she had to do. Well, let me read on what Dr. DeHaan says. Okay. The Bible teaches, in addition, Jesus was sinless. The man Jesus was without sin and therefore deathless until he took upon the sin of others upon himself and died their death. That's what Jesus did for us. Now, while Jesus was of Adam's race, according to the flesh, he did not inherit Adam's nature. This alone will prove that sin is not transmitted through the flesh. It's transmitted through the blood and not the flesh. Even though Jesus was of the seed according to the seed of David according to the flesh, this means this could not make him a sinner. You see, you've got to make sure we say things right because say things biblical. Jesus became sin for us. Jesus did not become a sinner. The sin of the world was put on him, just like the sins of Israel would be put on that lamb. That high priest would lay his hands on there. And he would confess his sins and the sins of his people over that lamb. And that lamb was just a lamb. I mean, it's like, what are you doing? And what's that guy doing with that knife, you know? And then there was another one that was a scapegoat that would be let go. But Jesus Christ had no sin of his own. But he became sin for us. He became the sin offering. Praise God for that. So even though Jesus received his flesh, his body from a sinful race, he could still be sinless as long as not a drop of blood of his own, uh, of the sinful race, entered his veins. How, was, how could that be possible? 
This was solved by the virgin birth. Origin of the blood. This is, this is just, to me, this blows me away. It's now definitely known. And Dion wrote this in the 50s. So they've, I mean, this is, this is medically a, a fact. It's now definitely known that the blood which flows in unborn babies' arteries and veins are, is not derived from the mother, but it's produced within the body of the fetus itself only after the introduction of the male sperm. An unfertilized ovum can never develop blood since the female egg does not by itself contain the elements essential for the production of blood. And he uses the illustration of a chicken. If you take an egg that you buy at the store and put that egg in an incubator, what are you going to have? A rotten egg after a while. But what if you, has anybody ever cracked an egg and saw a little red dot in there? If you would have taken that egg and put it in an incubator, what would you have had? A chick. Why? Because it's been fertilized. The blood is there. That red dot is blood. You see? And the blood is there. So, life is in the blood. And he quotes it right here. The male element has added life to the egg. That's what he's using in the, in the idea of the, the chicken. Life is in the blood according to the scripture. For Moses says the life of the flesh is in the blood. For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is the life thereof. Leviticus 17, 11 and 17, 14. So there's no life in the egg until the male sperm unites with it and the life that's in the blood. It follows that the male sperm is the source of blood, the seed of life. So Jesus Christ, Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. And he had, Jesus had royal blood in his veins because he didn't have human blood in his veins. Hallelujah. Are you saying the blood in a baby is in the, a baby's born in a bag, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what do you call it? I forget what you call it. Amniotic sac. You mean that mm-hmm. blood is different from the woman's blood? No, the baby, in the baby itself. The baby produces its own blood. In other words, that once it receives the sperm, that baby is a factory that makes its own blood, but it's The, the, and it manufactures its own blood. Right. The male seed entered in, which contained the blood that got everything going for that baby. And then the baby begins to produce his own. That's why this guy in, in, in Africa that I led to the Lord, he, he was um, doing this study for his college, and he wanted me to print it because I had a printer. And it was how that women with AIDS, um, usually their babies didn't have it. And it's, it's because, usually, now there's a rare case every now and then that it, it happens, but uh, normally it's because <laughs> the baby's got his own blood, you know. So anyway, it's, it's, it's uh, so that's Dr. DeHaan. I encourage you all to read it, uh, The Chemistry of the Blood. It's not a very thick book, but it's very, very interesting. And we're talking about the Son of God with flesh. So he was the rejected one. He came into his own. His own received him not. He was the received one. He's the real one. In other words, he's the one. And uh, look at verse 18 of John 1. I love this verse. It says, no man hath seen God at any time. That just blows a lot of people away because, you know, you got these people that have seen God and then they write books about it and stuff. You know, I I had a lady stand in my office one time in Louisiana. She told me, you know, she had normal conversation with Jesus at the end of her bed. Long blonde hair, just beautiful. He talked with her all the time. And I'm thinking... No, you're not seeing Jesus. But the Bible says that Satan himself will manifest himself as an angel of light. You're seeing something, but it's not the Son of God. Or God, you don't see God at any time. 
Now get this, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. The word declared is what I do when I preach. It's called exegete. It's the Greek word exegesis. I bring out into the open the Scripture. When I preach the Word of God, when a preacher stands and preaches the Word of God, and he explains Scripture, he's exegeting. He's bringing the Scripture out into the open. Jesus brought God out into the open. That's what he did. He declared him. You want to know what God looked like? Read Jesus. That's what God acted like. That's who he was. So, um, and it's really, really, it's no wonder they praised, the, the, the angels of the Lord praised the Lord that first night. Remember, they appealed to, appeared to the shepherds and then they just said, you know, glory to God of the highest. I mean, they were just praising the Lord. These heavenly hosts that had been, you know, worshiping Jesus on the throne as the Son of God in eternity past, now the vacant, the throne's vacant and he's in heaven, or, I mean, he's on earth now, and the shepherds, they didn't really know what was going on. And really, we don't always know what's going on, but God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. And God's always going to be with us. Amen. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Whew. Boy, that's good stuff. Then I see the royal one. It says, back in verse 14, the middle part, he says, We beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I think John's writing at the end of his life, and he's thinking about, seeing Jesus transfigured. And he's, th- he's seeing how Jesus dealt with people. He's remembering all that. Full of grace and truth. I wrote this down. Somebody, I copied this down. It says, he may be full of, I may be full of sins, but he's full of grace. I may be full of ignorance, but he's full of truth. He can cleanse me and he can teach me. He's everything I need. Isn't that good? Another part of that verse Look at verse 16. And of his fullness have we received and grace for grace. You know, when you receive Jesus Christ, you receive all of Jesus. Amen. And of his fullness have we received. Colossians 2.10 says it like this. We are complete in him. Amen. Don't let anybody come along and tell you that you didn't get everything when you got saved. That's right. That, you know, you need to speak in tongues if you're going to be a completed Christian. Or you, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Or you need to do the ABCD, do all this. No, no, no. Of his fullness have we all received. Now, I understand we grow in the Lord. And I'm, you know, we're still understanding who we, what happened to us when we got saved. But we got all there is to get a Jesus. We got all him. The question is, does he have all of us? You know, I think that's the big question. Most of the time he doesn't have all of us. And if it's fullness, have we say that grace for grace is neat. I read that the idea is compared to an ocean waves crashing upon the beach. You know, you ever stood there and you've seen, you know, ocean waves come and they Wait a minute, here comes another one. Here comes another one. Just, I mean, it's just this one just dissipates and the other one's coming. That's God's grace, isn't it? Aren't you glad that that God's grace today is sufficient? And I got the good news for you. God's grace tomorrow is going to be sufficient. Before the end of the day, you might get a phone call that you need God's grace. It's going to hit you. It's going to hit you. You need some grace. Every single day. So I was listening to Pastor Adrian Rogers, and he was saying how, like he said, our, uh, his grace is sufficient. He said he gives 
you strength and grace for today. He said, now when you start worrying about tomorrow, you're robbing today of That's that it. joy and that grace and that strength that he provides for you for today. That's it. He's not providing for you tomorrow or for next week or for next month. So That's you need right. to just focus on the present, on today, instead of letting worry and fear rob you. That's right. You start worrying about tomorrow and I wonder if I'll have enough grace tomorrow and all this kind of stuff. You, you are. You're losing what you're going to. You can't experience the grace right now. Corey Ten Boom, you know, Corey Ten Boom, who the Dutch family, the Ten Boom family, who housed Jews during the World War II and ended up going to the concentration camp for it. And Corey lived through that, and her family died in the camps. But Corey was, knew they would probably get caught. And she was fearful. As a teenage girl, she asked her dad, she said, Daddy, I'm fearful. I don't think I'll be able to stand for the Lord when they come, and I, I don't think I'll. I don't. I think I'll fail. And, she, and he says, Corey, when I send you downtown on the bus, do I give you the money to go a week ahead of time, or do I say, Corey, I need you to go to the bus downtown. Here's a, the money to go. He says, I give it to you right then. For right then, he says, God will give us what we need right then. Isn't that good? And he does. He does. He gives us the grace of God. It just crashes upon us. Grace, that's what that means. It means, and we, grace for grace. just keeps crashing for us. And then I'll put down the Son of God and you. What does all this mean to me? The fact that the Son of God was pre-existent, co-existent with the Father. The fact that He's the Creator. The fact that He became a man. These are wonderful facts, but what do they mean to us? I mean, what are, what are we to do? Uh, well, we don't want to be like the innkeeper and not have room for Jesus. Amen. You know, he came into his own. His own received him not. The innkeeper, they had no room for him. Here's three ways we can be ready. Number one, prepare your heart and receive him. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, he's knocking at the door. He's knocking at the door and he wants to come in. So prepare your heart, receive him. Secondly, prepare your home to reflect him. Yes. You know, Christmas time is a good time to reflect the Lord in decorations or whatever, right? We want to reflect the Lord. But I don't think just Christmas time. Our home ought to reflect the Lord all the time. Amen. Somebody, if we're not home, somebody ought to walk through our home and say, you know what? A Christian lives here. That's right. I just, I know there's a Christian that lives in this place. So prepare your home to reflect the Lord. And then prepare your hands to remember the Lord. Serving Him through giving, through witnessing, through spending time with Him. We may have a little time off this week. Spend time with the Lord. I know it's busy time. They're telling you to stay at home, like you're not listening to them anyway, right? <laughs> stay at home. Well, you know, enjoy Christmas. Live your life for the glory of God. Amen. But spend time with Him. You know what we like doing is, we've always liked doing this, is just turning off all the lights we got, because we've got lights in the, in the living room and dining room. We've got lights, Christmas lights up. And so we just turn out all the overhead lights and everything. We just sit there and enjoy the lights. Early in the morning, Karen and I will sit there and we'll drink our coffee and we'll talk. The other night, Mom was there with us and we sang carols, just sitting Amen. there in the lights, just enjoying the light, just spending time with the Lord. Just spending time with the Lord. You know, I've told this story before. You may have heard this, but in his book, The Ultimate Priority, John MacArthur tells a story years ago on an account of a christening party in a wealthy Boston home 
the parents had opened their enormous home to all their friends and relatives who had come to celebrate the christening of the baby. And as the party was moving along, the people were having a wonderful time eating and drinking and, and celebrating, joining one another. Somebody said, by the way, where's the baby? And the woman screamed and she ran into the bedroom where she had left the baby sound asleep in the middle of the bed, but where she had thrown all the guest coats on top of the baby and the baby had smothered to death. You know, I think that, that's a sad story to tell, but I think it, it points out that oftentimes we smother out the reason of Christmas. It's Jesus' birthday. And we need to remember Him. It's His birthday. And we can do that by so many ways. By serving Him. By, by giving to Him. By, by being a blessing to others in Jesus' name without them knowing it. I love doing that. I love blessing people without them knowing it because then they have to just praise God. They can thank me if they want, but then they really got to just praise God for that. So, Jesus Christ, the Word became flesh. Okay, I'm going to close this up. I'm going to we're closing a little bit early because I got to go talk to the young people. I'm going to talk to the kids, and here's what I'm going to talk to them about. And you can help me with this too, parents. Kids love coming to church. I want them to love coming to church, but I'm going to I'm trying to keep them from running in the auditorium, in, especially in between Sunday school and church. Between Sunday school and church, I don't want them to knock down.